Thank you for listening to Everything's Messy podcast. We appreciate your interest in health and wellness. However, it is important to note that the content provided in this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information shared here is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts and guests featured on Everything's Messy podcast are not licensed healthcare professionals, and the discussions within the episode should not be considered as personalized medical guidance. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Reliance on any information provided by Everything's Messy podcast or its guests is solely at your own risk. This podcast may discuss general health topics, lifestyle choices, and wellness trends, but these discussions should not be interpreted as individualized medical recommendations. Every individual's health needs are unique, and what works for one person may not be suitable for another. We encourage you to consult with a healthcare professional before making any significant changes to your diet, exercise routine, or health practices. Everything's Messy Podcast and its hosts are not responsible for any actions taken based on the information provided during the podcast. Remember, your health is a personal matter, and professional medical advice is essential for making informed decisions about your well-being. Thank you for listening to Everything's Messy Podcast. Everything's Messy Podcast brought to you by Dreamweaver Media. So, incredible company. I'm so excited that I've had the chance to work with this company. Let me tell you, if you are looking to level up your podcast, level up your business, anything that you need to get very clear and laser focused with your goals for your company, you need to reach out to Dreamweaver Media. They have a strategy session report that they will do for you. And what that will do is you will discover your dream audience persona, define your business's why, craft a brand identity that speaks directly to your target audience, identify your marketing goals and create a custom plan and receive a detailed visual shoot plan that brings everything to life. Let me tell you, this company is amazing. So reach out to dreamweavermedia.co, that's dreamweavermedia.co, check out their website, for more information. Hey there, it's Sarah Wilson, and welcome to Everything's Messy Podcast. Yep, you heard it right. Everything is messy because, well, it is. But here's the thing, in the mess, there's strength waiting to be found, and that's what we're all about here. My mission, to break the silence around chronic illness and build a community that's supportive, understanding, and downright empowering. So if you're ready to navigate the chaos, buck the conventional medical system, and embrace authentic healing, you're in the right place. We're going to tackle the big questions like how to balance it all, where the family fits into the messy equation and everything in between. This is your messy space, a place where we're not afraid to get real, have those important conversations, and maybe even share a few laughs along the way. I'll be sitting down with incredible people, each with their unique messes to explore their stories, experiences, and the lessons they've learned in the chaos. From unconventional healing methods to finding strength you never knew you had, we're covering it all. So grab a seat, get comfy, and let's dive into the messy. Because here at the Everything's Messy podcast, we're turning chaos into strength. Together, we're going to embrace the mess. Are you ready? Let's get messy. All right. Well, today I have Staff Sergeant Bryce Baker with me. He's here to talk a lot about mindset, which we often do on this podcast. And I just am so grateful that he wanted to come on the show. He's a longtime family friend of my husband's and I've made the acquaintance through my husband and Bryce and I do like to talk. And so I promise that I will uh, not be interrupting as I know I can do and just sort of toss it to you and what you can bring for us today, which is definitely mindset and discipline and all those wonderful attributes that you have. So uh, welcome, Bryce, to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
So glad you're here. So yeah, so let's just jump right in. Um, so yeah, give me a brief background, um, you know, how you got started in the military. Uh, so as many of you uh, recall, the economy crashed in 2008, 9-ish, and uh, we had just purchased a home two years before, and I had my hours at work were getting less and less, and I was afraid I needed a new job, and I was driving an hour each way to work. I needed something new, and then they came one day and just said, hey, we're going to let you go. I, I kind of knew that was coming, so it was either taking two. We lived in a small town in Northern California, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity, and it was either taking a, like a 40-hour job at Big Five and 40 hours at Safeway, and I, I went college degree at the time, or I, uh, you know, or I, I didn't know what to do. And so my wife's like, hey, have you thought about the military? I said, nope, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not, not a bad option. So I, uh, so I looked into it because you know when I was younger, I never remember seeing army recruiters or military recruiters coming to my, my high school. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, hey, if I can get a good secure job for X amount of time, why not something that's gonna securely take care of my family? Because right now, at the time when the economy actually, I felt like I couldn't take care of my family. Mm -hmm. And here I am, years later, um, still in the army. I, I was gonna say thriving, but you know, it. it pays a toll something on everybody but it, it's uh it's been good it's been a benefit and uh i was able to join to support my family um i was recently an army recruiter so many people joined for many different reasons and a lot of soldiers i work with right now have only joined for college education wow. i joined for the, the my re sole reason was to support my family sure sure so it's done it's done the job did you have a certain idea of what it might be like before you went in? And then how did that change when you got in? <laughs> no, that's a funny question. I had a lot of preconceived uh, notions or things from movies or what people might have tell you, kind of like when you're having your first kid and someone tells right. you what to expect and it's never the same. Not the same. So, <laughs> Vastly different, like completely yeah. opposite of what you thought it would be. Yeah. And I think because at the time I came in, the army was slightly changing from what other people knew it as. And so... They told me what to expect, where I thought I knew what to expect. And when I got in, it was a lot, lot different. And plus, I was a little bit older. So people kind of treated me a little different than a, like, 18, 19-year-old kid. Better? or what? Yeah, I think better. better. I think a lot better. When I when I first got in um, permanent party, um, when I was doing, um, I wasn't doing my job training anymore. I was permanent party, and I was in processing. That means you kind of, like, go to all these places on the installation and kind of check in so they know you're there permanently and who you are and. I was in processing and I asked a supervisor, hey, you call these other guys that are new. How come you never phone call me? And he's like, because I know you're mature enough to take care of the things you need to take care of. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. That had to so, have been a nice confidence boost. Yeah, so it was good. So I think I think it's been a plus throughout my career is um, people see me as someone that, you know, is fairly good enough to take care of what he needs to instead of just some guy that is always lost in the sauce, which a lot of these young guys are. Well, that, that's amazing, and we certainly appreciate you and your family and your service and everything you've done for this country, for sure, and the sacrifices that your family has made. We are very, very grateful to you. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the current situation that you find your, you and your family in now. Okay. Regarding um, the, the news of your wife and the things that you're having to go through with that. Okay, so um, where do I start? Uh, you're... Let's see. It was okay. I guess start from the beginning. So, <clears throat> just about um, a year and a half ago, I got back from a Army school in Georgia, SLC Senior Leadership Course, and 
I didn't realize at the time while I was there, my wife had been having what we know now as small seizures or a speech arrest. And through that um, series of three different times that occurred, one was when she was on the phone with me just before I came home, and I thought she was busy talking to a parent as a school teacher. And so I just thought she had to hang up and she was busy. Meanwhile, she had had a speech arrest where she lost uh, all form of, of communication through her body and couldn't, you know, kind of like froze up. And then um, she hung up and called her sister, and she's like, hey, you need to go to your doctor now and schedule a, a, a scan or MRI or something. And so not knowing all the details, when I came home, three days after I got home, my son had his first Little League game, and she had the MRI the same day. Oh, my. And, and during that day, of course, my, my other kids and my father-in-law were all Little League fields watching him play his first Little League game. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, at this time... I had talked to a, another friend of mine who used to write me letters in basic training who was there watching his son coach. He said, hey, where's your wife? She's she getting some scans done on her, on, her, on her brain, her head. And he's like, oh, my son had this real real situation several years ago where he couldn't, we went home from work and couldn't talk to his wife. Um, went to this great place in San Francisco. Um, so if anything ever happens, you need to go there. Oh, okay. And then my wife's principal at school, I don't know if my wife had talked to her about her situations or not, but she, her parents had had some brain cancer and or brain tumors and said, you need to go to San Francisco, the same facility. I was like, wow, okay. So ironic, I'm talking to him and she calls. Did you notice at the time, like when they're telling you this information of like the great, the best place to go, are you thinking in your head, I, I need to make sure I remember this information or are you thinking? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it was just a normal conversation with a friend felt like oh, okay yeah and thanks for the heads up you know thanks, yeah you know thanks for the knowledge and then uh so into in, in in that same evening um i said hey you know how the scans go you know i go okay i'm gonna so is it okay if i stay home and take a bath and relax get a bite to eat i said sure he's still playing baseball you know we'll let you know no need to rush down here and then uh a little while later she says uh Calls me to pay the hospital called and they looked at my x-rays and they, they're really concerned that I need to come down here and pick up the scans and go to a specialist of my choice. So I was like, oh, okay. So I told my father-in-law, hey, I got to run. I told the guy that was, the guy that was talking to me, um, who was, who was talking to me about the, go see a special San, San Francisco. I said, hey, I got to run. Um, you know, something's happened. And I thought, hey, I drove home and, uh, my wife and I talked and she said, hey, let's wait till the kids get here. Um, after the game, we'll, we'll pack a little bit of clothes or hygiene kit. And uh, San Francisco was, the hospital was about two and a half, three hours away. And so we drove straight there, got there about 1030 at night. We didn't get a room till like three or four in the morning. Um, it was kind of set us in the hallway. Okay. But when the, um, when the, they asked like, how'd you get here? I said, drove here. You're not having headaches. We didn't know why they're asking all these questions. She's like, we walked in, we're in the ER. Now, if anyone's ever been to the ER in San Francisco at night, it's just a bunch of homeless people or random people from the street. They're just kind of like, you know, wander on in for random things. And so they saw us walking in, walking in, looking normal. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> and my wife's like, I picked up these scans and they told me to go see somebody. And so and the doctors finally saw it in the hallway hours later. They just couldn't believe we walked in without any side effects or any symptoms because there was two huge uh, masses in the front of her, frontal lobe of her brain that were, um, Apparently, two different masses. We thought it was the, the original doctor thought it was one, two different masses. And then, um, anyway, we they said if we went home, 
it'd be a lot harder to get insurance approved. So we just stay there for several days before insurance could approve any procedures or any further action. And then the head of neurology or the head of the, yeah, the head of the neurology department said he was going to come down and do the surgery himself. And it was, a uh, the next week it was a 12 hour surgery with uh, most of it being oak while she was awake and alert and they had to ask you questions and whatnot. So, so, so back yeah. up for me just a second. Just talk about the moment, though. Um, like, was it surreal? Did you feel like you were even in it? Did she feel like she was in it? Or did it just all hope happen so fast there was no time to think about any of it? And it was a little rally the troops, and this is just, you know, yeah. in a back channel. All happened so fast. Um, just didn't really think about it until we saw the tumors ourselves on the, on the MRI. But, um, and how did the surgery? Sometimes, sometimes you move somewhere and you don't know why you move to a certain place or you don't know why um, you, you were there, right? So we we figured we were going to move back home to where she was raised and went to high school. And we'd help help our church in the local area or be home for cer cer certain purposes or reasons. So sometimes you get frustrated. You're like, oh, not sure why I came here. A, B, and C didn't seem to work out right, whatever. And so we're like, obviously, we came here to see this doctor because... She ended up having these tumors when they don't know how long they had been there or what caused it. All we know is we were there at the right time at the right place to get the right help because this guy happened to be the best, one of the best in the nation. It would come if we were somewhere else, you know, we may not have got the the, the good help and good timing. Sure. But yeah, it all happened so fast that it was just kind of, uh, you know, fast forward from now till then, a lot has transpired and, um, so that seems like a blink of an eye, and the, but the 14, 15 days in the hospital seemed just like a, a long journey. And then, and, and how did, like, talk about that for a minute. How did you manage that? You ha did you have all the kids with you at that point? Excuse me, we had kids that it was during COVID. The height of COVID in San Francisco was pretty crazy, so they only allowed so many visitors in. Um, I remember wheeling her to the. What, walking her down the hallway before they wheeled her into surgery and it was just me and her and then um it was just uh overcome with emotions um not knowing what to expect because you know i'm sure i had faith in that doctor because he seemed like he he was good but mm -hmm. um it's just kind of scary 12-hour surgery and then when she got out she looked like a vegetable it was crazy mm -hmm. um i took several days several days to kind of recover um much longer than that for her to like do certain things um uh, my wife looked like she had her whole head was bandaged up, getting tubes coming out the front and back. And then before surgery, they found out a third tumor was, I know you can't see some of this, right? But there's a third tumor on the top. And they, they tried touching that in surgery, and it moved her whole right side of her body. So it controls your limbs and joints. Wow. And so they didn't touch that. So if that grows, they really can't ever operate on that. Um, so it's just, uh, she went through chemo and radiation. Um, she started that a few weeks after they told us she, she had, we knew, so we knew she had tumors performed surgery and we had a lot of, um, uh, obstacles, if you will, with, um, family, uh, things going through the hospital, going through the, uh, experience. And, uh, before they told us if it, if it was, before they told us weeks later that it was cancer. So it took, uh, okay. took a while. It took, it seemed like it took a long time before they gave us the results of, of what the tumors were. And then it was a Zoom meeting somewhere like this where they, they, had, they gave us the results over Zoom. And it was my wife, my wife, myself, her sister, and her brother. Um, her brother was there because um, you know, my wife was on seizure medication. And 
And her her brother's son had passed away due to too many seizures as a young child. And so he had experience, and then he um, wanted to ask certain questions. And so we were all there on this Zoom in front of the laptop. And not, not only did I have to go to the restroom, but her sister was like, hey, if you if you get too emotional, just leave the Zoom meeting. And when, as soon as the doctor said, oh, by the way, this you know it's cancerous, this throws it out there like no big deal in the middle of a 45-minute meeting. No bedside manner. No, 18, 20 minutes in, she's like, oh, yeah, it's cancerous. You know, you have a life expectancy of so long. I'm like, mm. what? So at that point, I uh, I had a hard time coping. I, re- I went to the restroom, I took some deep breaths. I, I kind of like looked in the mirror and shook my head and then went right back to the Zoom meeting and just kind of soaked it all up. And I was like, wow. So my, my brother-in-law um, asked some very good questions that the doctors really didn't want to answer, like, like light therapy, like can we do um, stem cell or light therapy or other options that other countries do. And she she just like, I'm sorry, uh, it's not been approved or I'm sorry, we don't support that. And you know, I, I also didn't have 50, 60 grand of cash to go to these places to get this stuff done or, sure. or the army would, wasn't gonna support me to do that where they support me to go if the army's medical care supports me to or, or, you know, helps out with this. Like, so I was, I was able to get six weeks of unchargeable leave to go spend with her while she got radiation and chemo. And that was nice. It was good. We spent some quality time. We're able to, um, go back and forth from the city to this hotel every day. Um, while she got radiation and chemo done, it was just a, uh, it was, we spent time together, but it was very, uh, it was draining the the, the last, uh, so the last year or so has been year and change has been draining the last, um, the last four or five months has been great, amazing. So um, it's been a different perspective since uh, moving, all moving back together. So three, three kids and my wife and I were all together now. Our oldest is in Honolulu going to college. That's fantastic. So she doesn't stay at home, but she visits every now and then. That's that's good. So talk a little bit about you know, and I know you being friends with my husband. You guys are sort of tough guys. You know, not a lot of emotion if you can help it, right? Um, and Talk about the moment, like you find out this news, you took a moment to go collect yourself in the restroom, but is there that pressure or that moment or like you knew you just had to be there for her and hold her up? Was she looking to you to kind of catch her in that moment? Like how did that Mm -hmm. come to be? Well, she took it pretty well, but at the same time, she also said like, how did I get the the cancer lottery? Like how, how, how me? Yeah. Excuse me. So no, it's okay. Um, take as much time as you need. It wasn't until the last couple of weeks, actually, that last few weeks, we recently spent our birthday at a, at a little getaway on the island here in Ofita, oh, in Hawaii. So the last month we spent a little bit. We share the same birthday, so we spent our birthday in. Oh, well, that's neat. Yeah. So we spent our birthday at this place in Honolulu, Waikiki, and then we had our anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago. So we were able to spend time without the kids, and we were able to talk about maybe probably more serious things such as health or future plans. And so it wasn't until recently that we've actually talked about the future. It's a little easier for her to discuss it now than say it was previously. Um, Previously, she never talked about her having a life expectancy or never talked about death or she knew she had cancer. She just talked about it, but she never talked about like what it's going to have, like anything about it in the future. Like to me, when I heard life expectancy, I've thought of everything from positives to negatives to the present to the future to what ifs like in the last 15 months every day and she never really thought about that 
She just mm-hmm. kind of like, just didn't think about that stuff at all. And so the last four or five weeks, we've actually openly, randomly discussed various things. Like, uh, maybe maybe I'll help you plan for things to come on around. Mm-hmm. Which is sad, but true. It's nice and it's helpful. But uh, I joked watching this uh, ridiculous show on TV, The Golden Bachelor, right? Yeah. And I joked because that guy, the guy's so crazy, like he's so kind of cheesy and like, terrible. <laughs> terrible right but i wanted to check it out for some reason just because i thought there'd be less drama than the than the young gals that always cat fight and so it's i'm like probably it more <laughs> it's, it's 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 interesting so i'm checking out the first couple episodes and i laugh at the guy and you know what she says she, don't laugh this will be you in the future i go <laughs> but she was able to find some humor in it huh yes yes That's so cool. uh it's just, yeah, she's definitely got a positive outlook. She used to say, oh, I'll probably live longer than all of you guys. So at least she's positive. But that's, that's... it's the days where she gets random splitting headaches that you don't expect. Sure. And then I get worried because it's like, how do we know what's going on in the brain because we can't see the brain? Right. Like, I don't know if the tumor's getting aggravated, if it's growing bigger. You know, like, why all of a sudden today you get a, some random major headache that doesn't, it's not normal. Sure. Or some pain somewhere. Like, I think it was yesterday or this morning. She was like, uh, so if I just start having, like, major seizures or something in the future, then we'll know it's bad, right? Then we should start, like, planning for the worst. I'm like, yeah, I would think so. I would think if you're if you're having seizures or something, or your body can't control itself, then it's probably getting the last, you know, you should probably get really bad. So I don't know if she ever wants to have surgery or, or treatments again. She said she would to... To stick around longer to see if the, the young kids accomplish things like graduate in high school or whatever, you know, if someone's planning on getting married or whatnot, you know. So, how old is your youngest? Um, 10. So, she'll still be in high school when I still just be getting in high school when I retire from the army. Wow. So, it's not certainly not conversations that we never think we're going to have or even imagine ourselves having, right? So, talk a little bit about. Well, first, let me back up a little bit. How were you the rock for your children? Were you were they able to come to you? Was that um, did you go so, find comfort in each other? So interesting you say that. So I think the two youngest, yes, the two oldest. Um, you know, of course, they're one's eighteen, one's sixteen. Um, they think they're very independent. They think they're very um, self-sustaining with everything, and and they don't come to me unless they need me for something that they can't figure out how to take care of, which is not all the time. So, so, um, we had a share of trials. And so lately, actually, um, we've gotten a little bit closer. So since my son moved here five months ago, we've been going to the gym together a lot, bonding over that type of stuff. My oldest, um, I took the girls on a daddy daughter date Saturday. Um, there's an ATV tour up in where they film some of the movies here in Hawaii. Because like Jurassic uh, Park, like that whole thing. Yeah. That same area where they, very cool. That whole, cool little ranch um it was very fun my daughter enjoyed it but my wife says hey my wife um i think told my daughter hey daddy is trying to get closer to you and she wants to get closer to me which is kind of awkward awkwardly doing it if we're not used to certain things and we're trying to form a better relationship my my wife says you know if i'm not around you two need to be close we're like Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah that'd be that'd be good because i think when i was when they were younger my two oldest, I was gone all the time. They have some sort of resentment. So no, no marriage is perfect. But I think um, when, uh, you know, they were getting older, you know, they maybe say, oh, you know, I don't think they saw me as this 
perfect dad or husband. So they, they have some of the resentment there as well. But, um, <laughs> so, um, it's got, like, it's gotten a lot better. It really has. Um, but, uh, that's why I think there's, uh, some tension or some, we're not as close. Like my daughter was leaving last week to go back home or go back to college. And, um, I went up there cause she's told me in the past, like not really affectionate, doesn't like a lot of hugs from people. So my wife's like, well, you don't ever hug her. I'm like, she don't like it. So, so I thought, so I went up to tell her goodbye and I'm like, hey, can I give you a hug? She's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, that was awkward. So later I text her and I said, Hey, it might've seemed awkward, but, um, and, um, I said, is that okay if we continue more of this, you know, to, you know, hug you and say goodbye or do the little things. And she was like, yeah, I like that. I, I thank you. So it's uh, little moments, right? Those little <laughs> moments that you're making yourself vulnerable and that they're accepting. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a work in progress, right? Nothing happens overnight, but I think sure. they've seen, they went through the hardship like I did. We all handle things differently. Kind of like uh, anything, right? Anything, anybody on a team, not everyone's an individual. They're all going to handle things differently. And um, when we first got some of the news, um, we were leaving, I think it was after the surgery or something. My two kids, that's my mom. Somebody was in the car with me. My two oldest were in the back of the van. And I was driving home from the hospital. I turned the music up. They were crying in the background. And I was smiling. And later, one got mad and said, how can you be smiling and being okay? Mm. What am I going to do? Be miserable and cry all the time? I say, look, I know she's in good hands and I know things will be okay. And I think it's with, when people see her functioning just fine now, they think she's fine because scars are on the inside, not on the outside. Sure, she's functions different than she used to. She's a 180 degree, a different person because of the surgery and because of the treatment. But I had faith in the doctors. I had faith in the people overseeing it. So I wasn't going to cry two and a half hours home mm -hmm. and dwell on it while I'm trying to drive on the, the Bay Area traffic, which is a nightmare. <laughs> sure. So I had, to pull, I had to pull myself together. And, mm -hmm. well, you know what's interesting, Sarah, is I, I was at the gym once after she just got home. A lot of people can use the gym as an outlet. Um, yes. I figured, I figured that's what I was doing that day. I put my headphones on. I got to the gym. It was a local small gym where everybody knew each other. So if you all know everybody, it's kind of weird if you're having a tough time and you're walking by and everyone's trying to say hi. <laughs> so I had my gym, my Many people pumping. don't know what to say. Yeah, and I had my music on that get me all pumped. What well, should get you all pumped up, right? My my workout music. And so I was like trying to get in the, in the mood to work out. And um, I've never in my life had two total different feelings where... You're trying to work out. You got music on. You're in a zone, and you're crying at the same time. Mm. So yes, yes. Uh, I can't even imagine the gym is supposed to be therapeutic, and trust me, I I, I go there a lot for that. And but I, maybe that was a form of therapy for you. Maybe you had to have that release. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. But I just didn't want to do it in a public sure public okay. setting. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we ever get to choose the play. It just sort of happens it, upon it, us. It was also uncontrollable. Like I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to like, you know, shed some tears while I was working out by all means, but, uh, it was just the most interesting thing, kind of like when my son got his concussion in wrestling and he was crying and he is definitely not a crier. He does not cry. And for the, him to be crying and the medic and the coaches were like, like, what do you remember? And he was like, nothing. And in mm -hmm. me, that was like, that was like that when I was working out, I just was shedding tears and for no, no apparent reason. I mean, there was reasons I couldn't stop thinking about what was going on. Plus, sure, sure. 
doing things. But um, yeah, I think with the right tools and, and the right, and now that we've been living like this for a while and we're discussing things to plan, there's no reason to hide it and talk negative about the situation. So I think we've been able to cope a lot better. Now that we've been living with each other again, we we moved, I moved to Hawaii in December. I wouldn't recommend anybody being apart for five, six months and coming and then moving back together in phases. This right. Was, but her being different was what I was getting used to when she got back on island here with me. And it, um, I wasn't used to living with that person. Um, she used to be a planner, an organizer, very meticulous with certain things. Um, now I've completed ADD type, type functioning um, as far as uh, before... When I was home visiting for a while, um, she met with a doctor from San Francisco, and it was a uh, neurotherapy doctor. They study how you act and how your brain makes you act, and then you have to cope with your side effects or your new functions. So if she functions like ABC, you need to, like, so there was, like, green, yellow, and red zone. And if you're in the green, you're doing just fine. If you're in the red, yellow, you need to, like, go at a slow pace. Like, so if she's doing too much... Too much high stimulation can put can put you in the red zone. And it's like she'll joke now because when it first happened, she didn't like it. But when the uh, neurotherapist met with us, I don't. I think she was having a hard time believing what she was saying because she doesn't like to be someone that just goes, "Oh, there's too much going on. I need to sit down and relax." No woman, the type that likes to go, 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 mm-hmm. and then crash later. Like she, we're the caretakers, we're the planners, we're the making sure everyone else is good before ourselves. Yeah. So that's and we we're gonna plan it out because that makes it easier on us. Yeah, and so um, she just watches all TV shows with the subtitles now, which I can't stand. But um, she um, definitely used to used to nap way more, but now it's not as bad. Usually, like when she taught school. Oh, meanwhile, she was teaching kindergarten this whole entire time. She. Uh-huh was doing um chemo um so the chemo a lot of people see on tv is with the the iv or the or the you know ed, through like a medical facility this was mm-hmm. a pill so she had chemo and radiation for six weeks straight and then she went home and two or two or three weeks later she started uh one week on three weeks off of chemo for six months wow and so she finished school teaching last year and then um, when the kids were done with the school year then she mo- they moved out here in the summer so we thought that was a good idea, but it was still tough. So the kids are like, well, yeah, she's athletic. Yeah, we know how she is, Dad. We've been living with her. You haven't. So, but in a sense, they still kind of forget that, hey, mom's sick. You know, let's be a little nicer. Right. Because sometimes if they want their way or they have a certain idea, instead of getting mad, just realize, hey, just maybe do what mom wants because she's your mom to begin with, but she may not be around too much longer. So take these opportunities. And just, that's so hard. Just go with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. No. So, um, you said, so things are looking up a little bit. Last couple of months have been really great. Yeah. So, how are you, I know you were talking about this last whole time, you know, you're thinking from morning to night, you know, all of the scenarios, what the what ifs, the, the, how, how are you able to, you know, stay in the moment and process that all that, you know, having a good mindset. Is it a daily talk you have with yourself? Is it making sure you get that workout? What are you doing to keep that not only sane mindset, but just that grounded, um, always, you know, also being there for your kids and, and being there for her. And, and let me just say this really quick too. She sounds like such a warrior. She sounds like 
such a survivor and hats off to her for going through what she's been through. And I think, especially as a mom and as sort of the caretaker of the family, it is really hard to have somebody else take care of you. I know that's how I felt after my heart attack. Jeff's there taking care of me and I'm like, no, this not, it shouldn't be this way. I'm the one to right. take care of you. Um, so just talk a little bit about that. Okay. So that's twofold. Um, Sorry. Cover the, that's okay. I'll cover, I'll cover, hope I cover both of course, but you know, my, my, uh, thinking of trying to cover both my, my drift, but, um, so keep me on track if I, uh, don't get to both of them, but the latest one, um, uh, was, uh, it's already, already lost. Um, your, your twofold question. The first was how do I cope? Yeah. And your mindset, how do you keep that grounded mindset? And then let's that one first. Okay. Um, the grounded mindset is kind of, actually it's like day by day. So when I first got here, my job was overwhelming to me because it was new. It was new. I wasn't used to the, the army job where it was different than my job that I had previously had. And so, um, they wanted me to learn, learn a whole new like skill or job being charged with soldiers. I was doing a lot. And so, um, then when the family moved in, it was okay. Now I need to balance work with family and all this stuff. And so, um, Plus, I don't go telling everybody uh, that's over me that my leader or supervisor to remind them, oh, my wife's got cancer. So living with her, her, she was my main priority. So I was trying to balance work with her and the kids um, and all our new and the environment of being in a new place um, sometimes was overwhelming. So I went to, uh, it's called MFLAC, Military Family and Life counselor some some little program they have and i seen this lady um hanging out downstairs in the building i work at and i was like oh you're the flag counselor and she's like yeah i'm like you know what i think i need to come talk to you because i did you know I, you have friends as outlets and i have some good friends in california i worked with it or my good outlets and stuff when i when, I, when all this happened but and i went and talked to her and it was actually pretty good because she's like hey i told her what my boss was trying to give me all these additional duties and stuff and some of them were just too much on my my time off. And I said, look, my time off from work, I'm spending it with my family. I'm not thinking about work, even though it still happens sometimes because they constantly blow up my phone. And so I think, uh, I, I, I said, they want me to do this, this, and this. And she's like, no, go to your go to your first arm. Tell them, hey, I can't do that. Like, this is what I'm going through, and I cannot do that. And I mean, did that be people... completely against what you've been in? No. Was that hard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I walked up into his office and said, "Hey, did you have a minute? I can talk to you." And he's like, "Sure," but it, I, I thought it looked serious, and so he didn't say close the door. It's a no. He just said, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." I was like, "Okay." So I said, "Hey, I just I, I've been talking to a lady downstairs," and I said, uh, "She just thinks it's too much um, to have these additional duties. Like, I don't think I need two or three. Um, my job should speak for itself." And uh, and that a lot of that stuff on that additional duty would be on my days off and my, my free time and. I, I wouldn't have that. I said, I'm trying to balance a wife that has a hard time coping with a lot of things. And I said, I need to be there for my family. And, you know, my wife is only so many years left to live. And he's like, oh, yeah. And so a week or two later. Um, Wait, that was his response or that's just you telling the story? No. <laughs> no, he just said, uh, like, okay. Yeah, he kind of just like, he kind of just listened. But he wasn't like saying anything big earth shattering stuff. He's like, I appreciate you coming in. I was like, okay, well, cool. Thanks. Okay. And I walked out going, hope that worked, you know? Wow. Um, he, so I didn't, so then, um, 
I went to work the next day and my supervisor was like, hey, talk to person. I was like, yeah, hope that's okay. Because, I mean, you weren't around and I didn't want to go straight to you. I just, I needed to make some immediate action happen. And he goes, oh, I don't care if you talk to him. I was like, okay, cool. And then he's like, uh, so everybody understood what was going on. And people like, well, first sergeant was like, hey, did you ask, talk to your supervisor, your platoon sergeant, you know, does he know about your situation? I'm like, he never really bothered to ask or get to know it. So I never told him, you know, I don't, when I freely talk, try to talk to this man, he, if it has to do with medical or personal, some people kind of just like, oh, I don't want to know all that. Sure. When it's, it's like, if I'm someone's supervisor, I want to know so I know how to deal with them. Like, if you know people, uh, you don't need to know everyone's personal business, but if, you, if you're in charge of them and you know what's going on in their life, you'll know, you'll better understand how to deal with somebody's situation as far as like giving them some time off or having them, you know, I'm not going to be like, no, you can't, you have to be in the work. I'm like, go take care of something. Sure. Just offering that grace. Yeah. So, so long story short, uh, the first sergeant said, Hey, the sergeant major wants to talk to you. I'm like, Sergeant Major wants to talk to me. I don't even think he knows me. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he's like an E9, I'm an E6, and he works up way up in this big building, you know. And then he says, uh, he goes, hey, I heard you're going through, through some things, and uh, we could use you up in this this building. And it's ironic because I, I got this new responsibility at church. And in the prayer that took place at church when I got this new responsibility, they said, um, you'll find time in your busy schedule to accomplish the things you need to. And I was like, look, my schedule's so wacky right now. I'm working Panama shifts every time there's a big mission at work, and, you know, 12 hours three days on, three days off, two days on, two days off. And so I'm like, oh, man, my schedule, I can't have, ever have a, a set time to have a meeting or do anything for, for church. And so when the Sergeant Major said this, hey, um, what's your passions and hobbies? I'm like, well, my first and foremost is my family and then my church responsibility. And then I like to, of course, do photography, go to the beach, whatever. And he goes, tell me about your, 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 your family situation. I was like, well, my wife's got cancer and this and that. And he goes, okay, well, come up to work for me. You'll have time for your wife and for your, your medical appointments and your church responsibilities. I said, Sounds good. Wow. So I start next month and I'm very excited about that because maybe a little divine intervention there, huh? Yeah. And it's like, that's not really, that's not even a legit spot that I'm taking over. He's just like, it will, will kind of, you'll be a floater and kind of just do whatever I need done. I was like, okay, cool. That's fantastic. So, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think I'm going to get promoted soon. So at that point, there's not really a spot where I'm at right now anyway. So hopefully all of this is kind of divine, you know, meant to be. Absolutely. God is good. Yeah, I think, uh, that, what was the second one? Um, so just um, like I was talking, no, that's okay. I was talking about, you know, as women, it's hard for us to be taken care of because we're mostly the caretakers. So how are you how is she and you, you know, balancing that? And again, talking about the strength and the, you know, the strength that you guys find just to get through this messy journey that you're on together separately, you know, are, are you, do you help with um, maybe certain foods that are better for you than others? Or is there, you know, walks and things like that to do? So we were taking lots of walks when she uh, first came home, when she was able to get out of the house, we'd, we'd take certain walks before moving here. Um, here we try to get to the track. There's a little track, you know, tartan track, whatever, um, nearby. And we we try to go there every now and then. But for a while, you know, she was always tired. I'd let her sleep. And that was, she was always tired, which I understand. That's, that's your side effects. That's what you're going through. But when she first got out of the hospital, her, like my sister, her sisters, both of our moms would come and spend a week at the house and help out like a, as like a caretaker. Mm -hmm. so that was helpful so I really wasn't in that role I was just working and maybe trying to pick up the house or whatever and so 
people from church would bring meals over. Really, I was not really understanding the caretaker responsibility because I wasn't doing a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's pretty much just. I, Did you learn quickly? What? Did you get a crash course in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're living together, it's been a while and we've overcome certain things. Now it's the, the course is a little different than I think um, when I was first. When she first started going through the procedure, like the treatments, I was a different kind of caretaker, just driving around, helping her to her appointments and seeing her go through the process was quite emotional. And that was a different version of a caretaker. But now it's just helping out to lighten her load. Um, if I can lighten her load and she gets excited that I did certain things so she didn't have to, then I feel like I'm doing a good thing. Um, but she also knows that, um, you know, I still have a job and, but, um, I know and, people love her. Okay, go ahead. It, I was just going to say, it's easy for people to sit back and judge maybe what you should or shouldn't be doing, but until they've walked in your shoes and they understand the, you know, depthness of it and all, you know, the responsibility of taking, you know, having the medical bills and do, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff. I think, like I said, it's easy for them to be like, you should do this and you should do that. But the reality of it, and I'm not sure it really gets talked about a lot. I don't, I think these things just sort of you know, I, again, I don't think people know exactly what to say, but how you're presenting this such real and vulnerable stuff, I, like I can't. Um, the the, the army's army's fairly controlling, but they're not controlling at the same time. So they give you lots of lots of freedom, and then they pull back. So it's like kind of like wakeboarding or water skiing, right? They're like, here's this long leash, hold on to it and get up, but we're still going to be pulling on you, you know. Gotcha. So it's kind of like the army where. Um, when recruiting was up, when I lived back home next to family and recruiting was up, I had to go somewhere. I couldn't stay in recruiting forever. And even if I did, I'd eventually move locations. I had, my time was up at that spot. And to do certain things, push paperwork, I was supposed to be here in August. I already pushed it back six months. Hmm. And if I didn't, I'd lose orders. And she eventually wanted to come here and I, I always wanted to come here. Um, to me, it wasn't like I was only focused on coming here, but I had to focus on moving in the army at some point. Whether it was Hawaii or not, I still had to kind of sit there. Mm -hmm. My time was up, and so, um, and so I let her stay there. Oh, I said let her. Right, I we had her stay there as long as possible. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the medical Tricare, which is the Army's medical benefit, they they called and said, "Hey, if you decide to come here, you have to say yes. And if not, then let us know, and then we won't accept the paperwork or we won't accept your order." So she may not like some of the. The way it's Hawaii to certain things, you know, as far as DMD or this or that or other little political logistics, but I think we all enjoy being here together. So that's good. That's amazing. It's it's been a um no, of course we're not as close to family as far as distance, but they'll come visit and some people have already come, so that's more people are coming soon, so it's good. That's great. And I I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there anything maybe you can offer? someone that they're just starting their journey in this is there any one thing that you would say to them um as a husband or you know somebody as the parent? So, <laughs> so it's definitely a process that has phases and when it first happens it's a um i guess it's like um the way it's so hard to explain i guess the way it happens is kind of like an overwhelmness just crowding at you and you don't almost don't know how to function. It's it's because everything hits you so so much so fast. It's crushing, what, I would think. Right. And what once you start going through these different phases and you don't expect there to be phase when you first start this. But um I think the biggest thing that helped me co cope through it was um was 
faith in God, I think, um, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, he's got a plan for you, right? And you don't expect that plan to be cancer. But um, but uh, I think my wife and I had some, um, we didn't always see eye to eye when it came to certain things. And I think that um, we may not now per se, but we definitely are a lot closer than we ever have been. Wow. So <laughs> we we joked the other day because we were taking an ATV, that same ATV that I took the, the, the girls to. Her and I went on the week before, and that's where I'm like, oh, we should, we should do this with the girls. And the little guided young adult that was the, the guide or the tour was like, oh, you're here for your anniversary? Like, yeah, it's been 20 years. You're like, oh, what's the key? Give me a tip. And we're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my wife gave one that was really good. She's like, just let a lot of things go. A lot of things aren't that worth hanging on to, or they're not worth getting, Amen. getting wrapped up or fighting about. A lot of it's just let it go. You know, if there's stuff that bugs me about her, she just lets it go and says, that's just Bryce. And I still love him, you know. And, and uh, a lot of things we we might have been hung up on before where you like thought you couldn't live with this person because they annoyed uh, this thing, this and this annoyed you or you well, thought they don't you know, matter. Yeah, you thought it was the end of the world. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, um, you know, our E, you know, I think of, of happiness right here, right now is just been looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you start growing closer to each other is I don't think we always see eye to eye as far as parenting or discipline, but somehow it's been working lately. But even little things here and there, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to let that go. It's going to be okay. I feel like you have a bestseller on your hands. I feel like you and her yeah, right. stand down. No, I'm serious. I feel like you and her <laughs> should sit out and write a book and the title should be Let It Go, honestly, because I feel like you're speaking to, you know, it's hard when you're in the moment and um, you know, Jeff and I aren't perfect and you see those little things of the annoyances like you're talking about. But I think that is the key. You just can't get sucked into that moment. You have to look at the bigger picture. But I think a lot of times it's hard to have that perspective. And I think that yeah. that you guys have been able to come around and, and do that. Um, but no, I, I'm serious. I think you and her should write a book together. I really do. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess we should write some things. Be then maybe if she passes away, I'll, I'll submit the book. But I couldn't see that happening when she when she's here to, to write a book together. But um, this uh, interesting just the discussions you have as a married couple, like, oh, are we going to retire? Are we going to do this and do that? Um, I love looking at potential retirement, but now I've kind of gotten to the point I want to stop because who knows where we're going to be or what's going on in the next five or six years. Yeah. Um, like as I said, it's not being negative. I, I I don't think of a lot of things I think are negative. She called it negative. I call it realist. I call it. That's Jeff. I'm. I understand that. He's he's <laughs> always like, "How can you not think about that?" I'm like, "Because it's sad. I don't want to think about that right now." But yeah, I'm, I'm glad glad one of you are thinking about it because that is, um, that is the reality of it. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just take things day by day because people say, "Oh, medical medical inventions and technology could help could possibly help her live longer. Things could improve." Blah blah blah. So like, yeah, and that's why I I go by if it's God's will and He wants her here longer, it'll happen. If He wants to hear to help us learn something and he wants to hear only a shorter period of time and hey it is what it is and it kind of sounds like cliche but i'm uh like i said it's been a year and a half and i've, I've um, come to that point where i need to just have faith in him that whatever happens is, is, is happening for a reason um our daughter was set to go to school in arizona she really wanted to and and i don't think she wanted to go to school here now she's going to college here to be fairly close to us in case things were to worsen so um and she's a big help for her brother, so I like the fact they're still close to close That's to each other. That, that we can all be fairly close by. Um, 
which I think is is has been helpful because I think if she was in Arizona, we her and I would be getting a little closer together, you know. Probably not. Yeah. I think I think it's a blessing in disguise, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. There's been a lot of uh, blessings in disguise as a place, so that's good. Wow. You're absolutely incredible. Your whole family is incredible. And like I said, she, your wife is a warrior, definitely. Like, just, I can't. I'm... I think so. She she doesn't think so, but I think so. She most definitely is. And Although she said she'd never do 12-hour open brain surgery again. But... <laughs> you know what? I she think said, she's allowed to say that. She hated it every minute of it. <laughs> well, yeah, because you had said she was awake for the whole thing. She didn't think most of it really about it was like 75, 80% when they had to ask her questions. So she had to repeat answers and repeat statements. And at one point she looked at anesthesiologist and was like, can I go back to sleep now? And he asked the doctor and he said, no. And she's like, oh man. That's brutal. An ordeal. Yeah. What an absolute ordeal. Well, I've, I have thoroughly loved this whole conversation and you've been so real and so raw. And I just, um, I hope that by you sharing this story, it may help somebody going through it and just help them to maintain that grounded mindset. Is there any other thing that you might add to keep that grounding or or reference or um, things that you're you're doing? I mean, if there's music that keeps your mind and it could nice I've, I've always been a big avid listener of music to help with therapy as well. What's your that favorite genre of music? Oh, I varies. I like everything. Um, but um. Uh, are we talking like 80s heavy metal? What are we talking? Well, my my wife somehow loves soundtracks, so she loved the Elvis movie, and she loves the Elvis soundtrack, the Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, well, yeah. So we were listening. Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> we had listening to that for a while. And it came the to, like, original think, Top Gun? Uh, the, the new one. Where, oh, the new one. Okay. I mean, it's had a lot of similar music, but sure. um, we, I think we saw both those movies in the, in the theater like four, three or four times each. It was, uh, we've never done that before. I saw a movie in the theater multiple times, but she really liked them, so. Great. But um, as far as keeping keeping grounded, right? Music, um, faith in God, friends, outlets. Um, if you feel like you get overwhelmed yourself, um, just take a breather, take something to to relax. I don't stay as busy. My wife teased me like, "Oh, my days off, I'm lazy." And I said, "Look, my twelve hour shifts wear me out, and then I may not get as much done around the house, but I pace myself because if not, then I don't want to be that the non rock for her. If I feel like I'm doing too much." And I don't feel like I'm as useful. And so I try to stay, uh, I try to keep my duties, my priorities, or my, I mean, my tasks, uh, not too many per day because I don't want to be like, uh, and then she knows fitness is good for the army. She knows, she knows fitness is part of my job. So I try to do my part to go out and, and do something each day. And so on the days where I'm not, I'm like, okay, now I feel like I'm getting aches and pains and injuries. So I need to go back out and, and do things because we're not young um, spring chicks anymore, you know? So Sure we are. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Right. <laughs> what right. are you talking about? <laughs> so we try to, um, I've heard your podcast episodes where you, you talk about health nutrition. So her and I are just on a journey to try to, you know, not eat perfectly, but we're trying to always put better stuff in our diet so we, we can uh, at least feel a bit better about ourselves. Sure. And, um, and, and you can only do so much. And with the amount that you're carrying around, you have to find the balance. You know, there's no, you know focus on one thing like you have to focus on it all and i'm sure that mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's tough between uh between work church and family um that's why i just don't go to the beach as much as i used to and people are like oh you live in Hawaii. i must go to the beach all the time no, I, I really only get so many days off and on some of those days off i'm pretty busy so it's, it's hard to get there 
as much as I would like to. And when, you know, it would go every now and then as a family, but it felt like I'm, I'm out surfing every morning by myself. Sure. But you, you are, you were a pretty avid surfer, no? I, I was growing up, yeah. But since being in the Army, it's been um, difficult. I always lived further away. I was in Georgia, um, D.C., Alaska. Um, right, it's not too many waves to those places. <laughs> There's little and little. Well, li there's water in Alaska, but I'm not sure you want to go in it. <laughs> it's very cold, yeah. So um, then I came back home to be a recruiter in California and got a board made. Um, but it wasn't what I expected. It's good. It's by a great friend. He shaped it. It's a good board. But it's just... Uh, I'm not in a surfing shape as I used to be. Um, a little older, a little bigger. I was only going every, I plan on going every like once a week, once every, twice a month maybe to get to Santa Cruz or, or, or Ventura area. And then I, um, then my wife got sick. So I really haven't gotten used to that board. I actually think it's, I need one a little, little bigger. I need a, a board in the seven foot, seven, two range. It's got a little more volume to help me paddle that board. It's just, I'm too big for it. I'm not. Have any? Not one seventy-five. I'm not one seventy-five anymore. I'm, not, I'm just uh, so it's uh, it's hard. <laughs> I think the board's too small. <laughs> yeah. Have any of your kids picked up surfing? Um, uh, my son, my ten-year-old wants to. So when we're out with little smaller waves, and then in the next few months we'll get him out. Um, so when the surf's big on the North Shore here, there's a couple of spots that still aren't as big, and we can push him into the waves and get him going. So okay. he's interested, but he's never getting super psyched. He's just kind of like. Yeah, I want to do it, but at first, every time I try to get them on board, they're like, "No, we'll play on the wooden board." I was like, "Okay, whatever." They we've, they've had surf lessons. It's just uh, getting them to like want to do it. I'm not going to put put them to it because then you're kind of put them away. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other podcast we could probably do that. <laughs> parenting, right? Where you yeah, encourage them too much, and then they don't want to do it at all. So and yeah, and I don't want to have them resent me for any pushing. I had a friend that did that. He wanted his son to surf real bad, and he pushed it away for four years, and now his son came back on his own to start doing it. Oh, wow. So it's just, and they have to want to do it on their own. Sure. Have to do it. Right. Like, I never I never encouraged my son to get to the gym, but I think his friends or someone from home, I don't know, remember why, and all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, oh, that gym looks cool. I'll go. And now, now he's been following people on social media, and now he's just super, super uh, addicted to a good thing. Not, I mean, there's, there's addictions to have, but he's... Uh, Definitely addicted to the gym. <laughs> well, I guess of all the things you could have, right? But right. Still, still have to have some sort of balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has been absolutely amazing. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, you're welcome, and, and thank you. And I wish we could we could we could talk all day and, and go on and on. But I do too. There's a whole we could solve the world's problems for sure. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can at least talk about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, thanks. I hope I didn't bore anybody to death. I hope I you know. somehow, some way, shape, or form, you received some sort of um, guidance or inspiration from this. Um, feel free. Anybody can reach out to me anytime. Um, and, uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Bryce. We appreciate it so much. All right. Thank you, sir.
Thank you so much for listening to Everything's Messy Podcast. If you don't mind, if you'd head on over to wherever you listen to your podcast app and like, subscribe, maybe leave me a review, I would totally appreciate that. If you'd like to be considered to be a guest on our podcast, please reach out to me at everythingsmessy at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media at Everything's Messy Podcast on Instagram. I'm also on X, which was Twitter at Everything's Mess and Facebook at Everything's Messy Podcast. Once again, I'd love to hear from you in any capacity and anything that you'd like to share with me. Thanks again for listening.